coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies After Dark. <laughs> I'm Teddy. Oh, I'm Matt. I'm... <laughs> and we're recording this way too late at night. Ooh, it's past our bedtime. Um, it is indeed past our bedtime. I'm uh, not good at doing the Skinamax vocals that we've got going on. <laughs> um, but good on you, you know. I respect it. I've been I've been practicing, you know. If if I ever need a secondary career, doing late night Skinamax stuff, Soft, softcore porn narration. Yeah. Well, you, know, you speak- would get logged on Letterboxd. Speaking of which, <laughs> all right. So welcome everyone to Buzz on Movies. Our first piece of movie news for the night is that um, you can now log adult films on Letterboxd. I haven't started yet, but I need to. <laughs> I've been I've been doing some research because you know I I've seen a few of the classics, shall we say? Um, really like the kind of a of research. Oh, no. Yeah, this, research this topic. You know, I'm a bit of an aficionado. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like there there are some interesting lists on Letterbox of like classic adult films, sure. like from the 70s and 80s. Yeah, back when back when story mattered, you know, yeah. back before. Back before the big studios started knocking down the storytellers. Um, and it seems like there's some interesting stuff out there that, you know, it does have cinematic value. So um, I'm going to be gonna be viewing some cinema soon so I can log that on Letterboxd. Viewing some cinema. By cinematic value, I assume you don't mean that Pirates one that is like one of the most expensive coins ever made, right? <laughs> I mean, that, it, it really is interesting to see what they, like, what they what they did with a proper budget for a pornography yeah. film, yeah. Um, that has its own interest. It's it's not very big on story. No, um, no. <laughs> um. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure it's on there because that one was definitely one that was getting a little bit of discussion. Uh, mostly, the, like what people are talking about is like the classic sure. era yeah. of yeah. pornography. Yeah, um, as it should be. Back when, back when you could see a porn film oh, in the theater, the, yeah, on the big screen, you could go to your little, your little, your little theater, mm, cinema, and see see a porn movie. That you know what? What a time to be alive. That's really that was that was what you used to be able to do in Times Square. Now you can go to the fucking Olive Garden. Well, listen, what's better, porn or breadsticks? This is a <laughs> hard debate. Oh, por oh. qué no los dos? You know what? Good point. Good point. Um, but yes, I, that's, that's interesting and I'm interested to see, you know, what, what new discussion springs out of this. Of course, there's people out there making fun, but you know, all types of cinema have their value. Not, not to say that every porn movie is a cinematic masterpiece, but there are some out there. Yeah. Lots of them are not. Um, but there are some, (laughs) there are a lot that just are not. And that's, you know, there are a lot that are just like, here are some people fucking, but like, that's okay. Um, nothing wrong with that, um, but that's okay. Yeah. But some of them do. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think some of them are definitely interesting. So what, what first drew my attention and what I'm certainly going to be focused on there, there's a, there's a letterbox list now called, um, 
30 notable adult films by genre filmmakers. Oh. And like these are these are films by some directors that you might have actually heard of before, oh, like sure. Abel Ferreira, yeah. like Wes Craven, mm-hmm. like actual named directors who have directed pornography. Yes. And that's interesting. It's it's going to create some new attention for those. I've certainly never seen any of these movies, but I'm interested to really? check them out. Really, Mr. Aficionado? Isn't that what you called yourself um, at the top of the episode? Uh, <laughs> I I've just seen I've seen a few of the classics that are that are on here now, like uh, Deep Throat. Sure. Like Debbie Does Dallas. Sure, of course, of course. But, but uh, I have not seen the Nine Lives of a Wet Pussycat, for example. No, I, uh, I, can, I can also say I've not seen that. That's a good point. So uh, yeah. Maybe I'll look into that. You know what? Oh yeah, In- we've got a wide world ahead of us. We can uh, we can log if you can log it on Letterbox. The incentive to watch it. Unfortunately, I really crave external validation, so I only like to watch <laughs> things that I can log on Letterbox. So this really helps That's me true. because now I will watch these things, which you know <laughs> clearly I had no motivation to before. Obviously, why would I ever watch pornography? I'm a good Christian boy. Um, <laughs> The only thing they need now is to start giving badges like untapped and then you're not going to be able to tear me away from Letterboxd. Oh yeah, if we if we if they added badges, you know what? That'd be chaos. Just pure <laughs> chaos. I'd love it. I'd do it. Why not? But yeah. I don't know I don't know what it is. It's still like 10 years later almost using untapped. I'm still logging like every beer. Yeah, absolutely. Like, anytime, I gotta, I have a, anytime I have a new beer, I'm like, gonna log it. I'm log it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm at this point in my life where I just like drink like fucking cocktails all the time. But um, when I do have beer, I log it. Yeah, that's true. You know, I have been leaning more in the cocktail direction recently. But every, you know, you still get a beer now and then. You gotta check in for the locations, check in for the unique beers. Especially now that I'm going out some again. I get beer more because I'll go to like the mm-hmm. brewery and get an actual beer. Uh, Speaking of going out again, um, in our last episode, which I know because I've just been editing it, <laughs> we're following a bit behind. Um, we talked a bit about how things seem to be getting back to normal in terms of going to the movies. Well, <laughs> and um, well, we uh, spoke too soon. I think yeah. that maybe. Things weren't really getting back to normal at that point. I think we need to establish that first and foremost. We, we did definitely talk about the fact that it seemed like a little bit like things were just secretly not that normal yeah. and that people are just acting like it and that maybe we were just acting like it. And we I are. We are. Um, but it's noteworthy that in terms of the movies, things are definitely, at least for the time being, taking a bit of a backslide. Yeah. So we've actually had a couple of movies recently that had their releases delayed. Um, most hilariously, the Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which was very funny because I saw the trailer for that movie before I was watching Jungle Cruise, which we are discussing tonight, by the way. Um, just to, to throw that in there, tonight we're talking about Jungle Cruise and the Suicide Squad. Look at little teaser, and some edging to keep it in, to, in context. <laughs> is that what you're going to call it? <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you can hold it, us to that. We're certainly not going to edit out the name of a movie that we don't end up discussing like we didn't do in the last episode. We've never done that before. We've never, never done, done that. that before. Um, 
but yes, the Clifford the Big Red Dog movie, I literally saw the trailer for it before Jungle Cruise, and then on the way home, got the news that the movie was delayed. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I was just like, this is just, this is tragic, but also not tragic, because I, I do not want to see this film. But... You know, it's not good signs for things to come. No, um, because also the 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 Venom sequel has been delayed. Yes, um, not by much. It was originally supposed to come out in September, and now it's supposed to come out in October. But people are already speculating that either it or another movie is going to be delayed again too. Because I think it's coming out the same weekend as Dune or some other big movie. Yeah, there are a few things that are getting shuffled around just very obviously just for other movies, though. Um, yeah. So some of that is, like, real. But so- sometimes it's hard to know. Like, No Time to Die just got rescheduled in, like, Australia or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I don't know. Things are definitely getting pushed around again. Um, also, it's No Time bad. to Die getting pushed around again is also pretty funny. So That, yeah, that I mean, that's already <laughs> been delayed so many times. And that one was, like one of the big like signposts early on for like, Oh yeah, all these movies are going to be delayed. Like once no time to die announced that it was delaying, like all these other movies announced that they were also I holding off. Like some element of it is like pure greed. Um, <laughs> like, cause I mean, you just see like box office returns, like jungle cruise hasn't even really like recouped. It's, you know, it's budget. I mean, you can't blame them. I mean, the the box office returns are really bad these days. And on the one hand, it's like, yeah, obviously the studios are going to want to like make up their costs and they might want to consider delay. On the other hand, it's hilarious to see like people who analyze box office returns, like trying to make sense of this being like, Oh, like, I guess people didn't really care about jungle cruise as much as we thought they would. It's like, come on. Like are you trying to really like draw any conclusions from what's going on right now when like every box office return is like at the very most half of what it would be in normal times. Yeah. Like, yeah. nobody's going to the movies right now. I mean, right there's now. just, like, no... You can't really say that you thought that, like, Jungle Cruise's box office returns were reflective of what they would have been in pre-pandemic times. Like, that's, like, not... You can't say that. Like, it's a Disney movie. It would have at least made back its budget, like, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, Black Widow. Like, come on. Black Widow would have done way more than it did, and we all know it. Yeah. It would have done, like... A bazillion dollars. Like <laughs> people are trying to talk shit about, like, oh, how Black Widow proves that, like, oh, we don't need like a female-led Marvel movie or whatever. It's like, okay, so I'm like the first person to be like, we don't need another any Marvel movie, sure. But I'm not about to draw conclusions about anything that's happening this year in terms of theatrical releases. Right. Like, there's just there's just no normalcy to any of this. It just seems like there's like a, a cap, like like movies can only make but so much right now. And so like right. movies that had lower budgets are doing okay because mm-hmm. they just had naturally had lower budgets. But these big budget tentpole movies are just not getting everything they want back. You know, they're not getting yeah. it all back. And that's, it's unfortunate, but it like, it makes sense because they're just like, I think there's a limited pool of people who are going to movies period right now. Yeah. I mean, they're, like there's only a certain population who's like willing to go to the movies right now. And that's probably overrepresented by like people like us who are hardcore moviegoers to begin with. Yeah. And you just like, can't keep us away from the theaters. The normal people, (laughs) the normies who, (laughs) 
you know, go to the movies every now and then for like a big blockbuster or a Marvel movie or whatever. Like they're just like, why would I go to the movies right now when like I'm risking my health or whatever? And like, who knows what's going to be happening two weeks from now in terms of the virus. Right. When, especially for a lot of these movies, like you can just see them at home for like in some cases less than you would have for paying for a whole family at the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it makes total sense why it's happening. It's troubling to me as somebody who loves movie theaters, but I totally understand it from the perspective of like, you know, people trying to make an assessment about what's safe to do right now. Right. Uh, But it's just, it's hilarious to me. Anyone like trying to be like, Oh, looks like this movie underperforms like underperformed compared to what? Like nobody's doing well right now. Right. So it's just idiotic to try to act like these numbers mean anything. All they mean is that like, this is a bad time to be trying to release a movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's just all it says. Right. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. But people are really, really trying it. Mm-hmm. They want to, nope. you know, it's just annoying. I don't know. And everybody's like being snarky about it in the, on the internet world. Like, okay, well, good luck to you, I guess. But <laughs> sorry to that man. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer is right now. Like, they, like big series are probably going to keep delaying movies. Um. The theaters, you know, are going to need those big movies to rely on, like, staying open. Things are going to get worse for them. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't it's... think we're going into another, like, forced lockdown anytime soon. Yeah. In, at least in the United States. If we have any international listeners, you might have governments that are a little bit smarter and willing to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, but... You know, so they're not going to get any sort of assistance if, you know, like there's going to be no more funds given to them. So right. if, if they're not getting business, that's going to be the end. Um, yeah. And so that's like and, a, a sucky situation right now. Yeah. It's a troubling thing where like already we sort of felt like theaters were sort of limping their way into this year and could have really used a big boost to get them out of the red. Yeah. And it seems like there's just they're. The bleeding will continue. What I will say is that um, I think just, and this is purely anecdotal and I haven't done any research to back this up. Um, My experiences at like sort of boutique theaters, so like the Nighthawk here or the syndicated has been that they, they are selling more to like, they're consistently selling a bigger percentage of their auditorium. And the fact that they have like beer and real food really helps them. And I think those sorts of theaters are still doing okay. It's these like chains that are probably not doing as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, the ones that's that, good. You know, where you like, you know, I don't know. I haven't been to an AMC yet where a, a theater was really sold super heavily. Um, and I've gone to like, I went to like a 7 PM black widow. That's like prime time black widow. Yeah. And it was just not, you know, just wasn't that heavily sold. Um, and, and I the, went to like I my Jungle Cruise was a Friday night. It was a Friday night at eight p.m. And though I yeah. did go to a a spe, it was like the Dolby Cinema or whatever. It you know I still it used to be that those would still be pretty heavily sold. You know it wasn't just like mm-hmm. the standard digital. It was it was a Dolby um, thing. But like you usually those at eight p.m. on a Friday used to be pretty. And this was the Times Square. Um. Oh, uh, wow. AMC. So, you know, lots of yeah. factors making it such that this should have been heavily sold. It was a second week. It wasn't you the first expect. Friday night. It was a second Friday night. Mm-hmm. Out. 
but still, I'd ex- I would have expected a lot more than that than was in that theater. Um, and so, you know, it's just, but like I've gone to the Nighthawk or the Syndicator a couple times, and it's been like sold out. Um, right. So, you know, just I mean, they're smaller auditoriums, obviously, but for them, that I mean, that makes a difference. That is a factor here. The AMC selling out sixteen seats in a two hundred person theater or whatever, like <laughs> it's like a nightmare. But the, Yikes. the Nighthawk yeah. selling out. You know, even if it's only like 90 seats total, if they're sold out, that's a big deal. I mean, they're not selling out 90 seats because they are still requiring some distancing. But like, they're selling out at least mm-hmm. 45 if they're selling out, right? So um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I am especially hoping that the indie theaters and like the dine-in theaters and the ones that like do cool repertory screens and stuff like that will prevail through all of this but you know i i'm also pulling for the big chains me too i want the big I mean, chains i to i say, mean i love my amc a list subscription i want things like that yeah. to continue, you know you know like the the as much as we we may be like pro indie theaters yeah the big chains have their places they kind of anchor the industry mm-hmm. and um bad times for them are are troubling for everything else as well personally i so i went to jungle cruise Saturday night opening weekend. Um, this was the most crowded screening I've been to since theaters reopened. And I would say there's probably like 20 to 30 people in there. Um, pretty like decent, decent crowd, but still tons of empty seats for like the one big chain cinema in town on a Saturday night for a big Disney movie, you know, all kid friendly and everything prime time, uh, showing and oh yeah a bit a bit concerning in terms of uh, where things are at but it was a fun movie it was a fun time to go to the theaters and like I was actually glad to have a little bit of a crowd for once right yeah yeah it's just been a weird it's been a weird movie going experience it's been a very strange. You know, what's weird, I think, is that I don't think that as COVID cases have obviously gone up, way if you live in the United States, things are obviously not, like, things are pretty bad here. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of pure case count, I don't want to, for a lot of people in a lot of states, you probably know that your hospitalization and death counts are actually still not super terrible because you live in a state yeah. where there, people are vaccinated. Um, but if you happen to live in a state where people are not vaccinated. Makes a big difference. That, yeah. Um, then, then you know that all of these numbers are super, super high right now. Um, and that really is like a frightening thing. And so, and I'm sure in some other states, people can't say the same as I'm about to say, but to me, it does not feel like anything has slowed down as COVID cases have climbed in New York. Um, I do not feel like I'm seeing fewer people at the movie theater. I do not feel that like if I meet a friend for a drink somewhere, I don't feel like it's less crowded. I feel like it might be more, um, and like this past week, New York started a policy where you have to show proof of vaccine to go somewhere. And I expected the first, or like, even like before that, I went to bars where they required that and they were like very crowded. I mean, and so I don't know. I just feel like people are not slowing down anything. Like, I feel like we've, un, you know, we've opened this like can of worms and there's no putting it back in. We're not like, think, yeah. once things have reopened, we're not reclosing them. People aren't like going back home. Um that's for better or for worse. I don't want to, I'm not going to try to tell people what they should do um, <laughs> other than wear a mask and get a fucking vaccine. Like um, it's not that hard, yeah. um, <laughs> but like, um, you know. that definitely, like, I, I feel like that's 
the same for me, you know, like maybe people are being a little more careful and wearing masks again more, but you know, I feel like saying that about like jungle, the jungle cruise screening, once again, that was the most crowded screening I've been to, including yeah. like when movies first like, reopened. Even if it and, wasn't like, that crowded, it was the most. That, that I mean, yeah. it makes a difference. So, <laughs> and I don't have, since I moved here during the pandemic, I don't have any point of comparison with like how crowded things were before, but I can just say in general, you know, a lot of times when I go to the movies, it's pretty empty. Yeah. So I I can't really say if what I'm seeing is because like people aren't going to the movies these days. All I have to go on are the box office numbers. Those aren't great. Yeah. But um, for me, I guess like I also am used to. So since I usually get off work at three, I usually try to go to really early screenings of movies. Like that's like I've always done that. Just I don't like a big big crowd. I you know, I never go to a movie on an AMC cheap Tuesday. Like I just don't. Just because I'm not gonna, I, I can't have a full crowd of people all with their half off popcorn. God love them. I love that AMC does that, but I don't need to be around that number of people. <laughs> You're on the A list. Yes. <laughs> um, so like, but like, I would occasionally go to movies on like opening night, um, like, like on that opening Thursday or Friday night, just because like it was a movie I was really excited for, or like it was the sort of movie where I was like, if I don't see it right away, like I'm going to hear all of the jokes and memes and plot twists and I'm going to like, yeah. it, you know, so I just go and like, it used to be like crowded. Like, I, you know, I live in New York, things get crowded. Um, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. Um, but like, and I have not had that experience once at an AMC where things were like crowded. Um, wow. So, hmm. Um, it's been a very strange experience going to like AMC at like at prime time showings and not, not having crowds, um, which isn't to say it's yeah. nobody. And it's definitely picked up since when I first started going back to the AMC, but it's, uh, it's still not much. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird times out there. We're hoping that both the film industry and the distribution and uh, exhibition industry stay alive, stay healthy. Everybody's calling the death knell of, of movie theaters. And I just don't, I don't see that happening. You know, one way or another, I think movie theaters will stick around. Even if all the current ones go out of business, you know, there's still going to be a market. Yeah. I think they would come back. Some of these show theater. I think that even if, if something happened now, they would come back. I mean, I mean, just look at the fact that like fucking, we have we're nostalgic for blockbuster and people want to like go to video rental. Like I don't know, I live in a city where there are video rental stores these days still, and like they, you know, people are nostalgic for that and go back to that already. Or like the vinyl resurgence, like things come back. Yeah. you know, these things happen. Um, there's nostalgia. There's community value. You know, there's there's the third place. There's also just like Everybody... wanting to get out of the fucking house sometimes. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> There's a myriad of reasons that you'd want to go to a movie theater besides just watching something else in your living room and staying inside all day long. Texting through half of it so you miss two yeah, plot Exactly. I mean, that's like literally half the reason I go to the movies Same, is yeah. just so I, I, literally <laughs> so I have, can't be distracted. I have to be forced to pay attention sometimes. Um, so, 
It's not anything the movies are doing wrong. It's just my attention is not such that sitting on my couch with my phone right there, I can do it. I have to put my phone right. in a drawer half the time if I want to pay attention. Um, I I appreciate that. I've done that myself many times. <laughs> it's literally just like either I put my phone away or I will be on Twitter while I'm watching this yes. movie that I want to see. Yes. It's a, especially if it's a movie that's in another language, I'm like, oh, no, I can't. I have to put oh, this God. away because otherwise I will miss the subtitles. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's that's what going to the movies is like these days. But what about the movies that are playing? Why don't we start with Jungle Cruise, the earlier movie from our tonight's schedule. Um, <laughs> this one, this is this one's kind of funny to me because, like this this movie has been in the works for so long. It has, yes. Like, and even past when it was actually Jungle Cruise, like, I remember, like, 10 years ago when Disney was talking about making a movie just, like, loosely based on Adventureland. Yeah. And, like, it's eventually sort of narrowed to the Jungle Cruise. And then over the past, like, five years, they've been, like, trying to put this thing together. And then it's been delayed several times for various reasons, including COVID and then also like reshoots and stuff. And now finally, after all this time, we got the jungle cruise movie and it's like, it was all right. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was an all right movie. Um, I, so to put some background on my perspective before we get into this, I am at, I, I probably, put this on the pod before but if i haven't i am a huge fan of the disney theme parks yes like absolutely obsessed level yeah this is important (laughs) like as in like watching videos and reading backstories about all the attractions and the history of everything so i i was very i'm always interested when disney puts out a movie that's based around its attractions pirates of the caribbean was a surprising success for me you know i was worried that it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to live up to the attraction and it was great i'm not as big a fan about the changes they made to the attraction after that but that's for a different podcast um (laughs) but the point is i'm very invested in the parks and thus have a great interest in the movies that come out around them specifically not just like disney movies in general so coming into this i was like i was a little apprehensive but I'm like, as long as they just, as long as they don't change the ride, things are going to be fine. And they are changing the ride, it turns out, but for different reasons. Oh, okay, good. I was like, uh, wait, I haven't read about this. They're not putting the fucking rock in the ride, are they? No, no, they're changing the ride because parts of it are a little racist. And yeah, that's, that's fair enough, true. you know. It's yeah. fair enough. It's been like that for a while, and some of the changes are overdue. I, I generally don't like when they change things to the parks, but I'm like, all right, I, I see where they're coming from, and... All the changes look okay. Like it, it's not like they did anything egregious, like putting fucking Johnny Depp in there. Um, so coming into this, I was interested to see like how they worked in the attraction aspects, and we're gonna get into um, like how they work in the Jungle Cruise itself. But I want to address at the top that the most interesting part about this film is that. I feel like they are in a way building up to an extended universe in a way that is only visible to people very invested in the theme parks. 
So <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out here. This is the there's so I don't know if this is actually going to happen, but Disney's been toying with this idea I for love, several I'm years. I'm loving the, the conspiracy. I'm loving it. Let's do it. Let's if go. you want it, if you want to get in on the ground floor as someone who's not super versed in the theme park lore, let me introduce you here to the Society of Ed- Explorers and Adventurers. Oh God! Also here known as SEA. Yeah, I call it. Um, yeah. <laughs> This is um, this is a concept that was first introduced in Tokyo Disney Sea Park in Tokyo, next to Tokyo Disneyland. Okay. Um, yeah. Tokyo Disney Sea again being SEA. Uh, yeah. The concept is of a society for like a secret society of adventurers and explorers who do incredible feats, like cartoonishly over the top feats of exploration. So. And they have a, a whole attraction based around them in Tokyo. But over the years, Disney has been slowly working the society into various um, properties that they have around the parks. They um, So they opened a restaurant next to the Jungle Cruise that has elements of SEA in their theming. They, um, they incorporated the backstory of the adventurers club that used to be in um, uh, downtown Disney or uh, actually pleasure Island at Disney world (laughs) a while back. Um, They incorporated that into the lore of SEA. And recently with some of the upgrades they've been making to jungle cruise, they've also been incorporating SEA into some of that stuff. And in this film, they did this very subtly. Okay. <laughs> but at the beginning of the movie, the beginning of the movie takes place at an unnamed adventurers club. <laughs> <laughs> and very briefly during the chaotic scene, as our main characters exit the club, you can see a glimpse of the plaque on the front of the door. And it says, I swear to God, it says society of explorers and adventures. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Woo. So. There's a lot of feeling here. There's a lot of emotion. Okay, so I didn't catch any of that. I mean, I, I understood what you just said. I didn't know any of that. This is all news to me. Um, I believe you. You know, I don't know. I, I can't. I don't. I know what you're talking about, like, in terms of, like, the, the unnamed Adventurers Club. Um, <laughs> but I didn't see a plaque. I didn't, you know, so I don't know any of that stuff. But um, I believe yeah. you. I believe you. 100%. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm saying that I think they're they're being they're being subtle with this because this is like this is the one extended universe I'm actually rooting for because they're they actually seem like they're building it from the ground up like sort of slowly incorporating things into it and seeing what garners interest. Wait, so what would the extended universe be? Because so I mean, what what else is involved in this? Because like I mean, I see that there's this whole. You know this element in the park, sure, but in movies, what is the extended universe? What? So, um, the entire idea is like there's there's all these different explorers, and in this film, um, particularly, the main character played by Emily Blunt is the daughter of Albert Falls, who is not only a member of the SEA but also like his name has been used as a joke 
in the uh, history of the Jungle Cruise ride for literally decades, uh, predating the SEA. They say, like, this is the world-famous Schweitzer Falls, named after the famous explorer, Dr. Albert Falls. Sure. (laughs) Um, So that, like, he, he is a character in the SEA. And presumably, if they wanted to build out a extended universe here they could make movies about all the individual explorers in there there's already um so i think it's uh shanghai's version of the tower of terror has a completely different backstory themed completely around a different member of the society of explorers and adventures um so they could make a movie about him for example sure. um but so like they, they could they could build out different movies based around these. They already have an extended universe of attractions, basically, which is what's so interesting about this, because like I can't think of another time that there's been an extended universe of theme park attractions. But Disney's managed to pull it off just sort of under the wire. This thing that like only a few like really weird nerds like me know about. Um <laughs> But it's out there. Um, if you want to look it up, it's a real thing. The truth is out there. <laughs> they have a seal and everything. I believe you. I 100% believe you. I'm not. You know what? I'd be for it. I would support. I support any any of this sort of thing. I love extended universes. Why not? Let's do it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting. So that's 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 my my whole bit on the <laughs> this movie's place in the lore of jungle cruise and the sea i love the idea that there's a um, lore of jungle cruise specifically um they're building it out i mean like so one of the things that they did when they uh rethemed this attraction recently because of some racial elements in there um they had like a whole scene of people climbing a, a tree to get away from rhinoceri and um they gave like a backstory to everybody climbing the tree, which is not something that's previously existed for the attraction. Like sure. the, the, the jungle cruise always had like the most basic backstory. It's just like, you're going through a jungle and you see a bunch of shit. Yep, that's basically uh, But now they're like, and they, they had like trader Sam, but he is basically the only like named character associated with the attraction other than Dr. Albert falls. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're trying to like give backstories for everybody climbing that tree. And I'm assuming they're going to put some more characters in there uh, to replace whatever they're going to do with Trader Sam. Um, so I, th- I feel like they're trying to build something out here. It's, it'll be interesting to see where this goes in the next few years. I'm hoping they don't put the rock in the attraction because <laughs> that that is still the the most unsettling change that they've made to uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. Having Johnny Depp in it, yeah, yeah, um, it's just a little weird. Uh, it's good animatronic, but it's weird that it's Johnny Depp. Yeah. That's that's all it is. We don't need that. We really um, don't need that. What if it's just Emily Blunt? I mean, I can't complain about Emily Blunt. <laughs> I, I always like looking at Emily Blunt, but <laughs> I I don't know what she's going to be doing in the attraction, so. Uh, well, she's a main character here. Um, we'll see. Um, she could she could be good in the attraction. Who knows? Who knows? It could be both of um, them. Both of them, like, are at the front of a boat, you know? Um, who knows? No. But I don't support it, regardless. They shouldn't put them in the, in the, in the thing. Don't do that. Um, yeah. No. I, I prefer the attractions to inform the movies rather than the other way around. Yeah. 
because too it's too much of the other way around these days. But Disney loves to do the other way around. Disney loves to do that thing where a movie is released based on a book and then they change the cover of the book to be the movie poster. That's like Disney's oh, entire oh. MO. That's like that. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so sick of that whole thing as well. Oh, yeah, that's very annoying. I hate that. Never do that again. But, but anyway, getting into the Jungle Jungle Cruise movie itself, lest we completely avoid talking about the movie, um, I I thought this was a lot of fun. It um, it drew a lot on the African Queen, which I found very interesting, sure. and like obviously makes sense from the whole like going up the river in this little steam power boat or whatever. Yep, um, makes perfect sense. I, I thought like all the main characters are really good and interesting. Um, you know, the rock and Emily Blunt, they didn't have the best chemistry, <laughs> which was like, it was kind of weird when they tried to put a, like a romantic story between them. Cause like, I didn't really feel it. I kind of but... think that was less them and more like the writing. I think the writing didn't really sell the, the romantic element for much of the movie. Oh, and then towards the end, it no, was like, no. oh, we're doing it now. Like, and I was like, wait. <laughs> it was just like out of nowhere. They were trying to do the whole, like, enemies to lovers kind of thing. They like, just they didn't weren't do really that well. getting along, yeah. and then they were. But it was just like, it just kind of seemed like they just, like, switched like that. Yeah, it, it was very it was forced. Like, yeah. It was extremely forced. I don't know. Then, of course, we got our. <laughs> Our Disney required... seventh first gay character. <laughs> a required first gay character in this movie. Look, this one was especially offensive. I gotta say, like Disney was like really touting this, and then he didn't eat. Man, man, all he said was mm. my interests lay elsewhere. I mean, it's pretty clear what he means, like to yeah. anybody with like half a brain. But like a lot of people don't have half a brain, so mm. that's like you know they're not gonna. I mean, there are a lot of people who can see. I like. I think people in my family could see that and just be like, oh, he just didn't like those women. Like that, I mean, yeah, like, right. <laughs> like um, it's just, it's so frustrating. Cause like, it's literally, if they just rewritten that one scene to be a little like less shady then the whole thing, would have been. if he had just better. said he liked men, like if he had just said the words, like my interests lie with men, you know, like anything. Anything would have been better than my interest lay <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah. You know, on any given day, my interests don't lie in sex. They lie on a fucking sing Jungle Cruise at 8 p.m. in Times Square. I could have been having <laughs> sex during that time, but I wasn't. So That is that is my sexuality. <laughs> like, so, you know, like, my interests lie elsewhere at any given moment in time. That doesn't mean anything about my sexuality. So, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, it was just a bit, and it's very annoying that Disney keeps doing it. And, like... And, like, certain news outlets keep going for it. They're like, oh, yeah, first. I'm like, first of all, you've written articles about how it's their first, like, 17 different times. So, like, it's not their first anymore. It's just not. I mean, we're a step up from that time they were like, he's going to have a big gay moment about Beauty and the Beast. And it was like .001 of a second. That was the worst. (laughs) Uh, this this was just like ever so slightly better than that. It, it's at the point where it's like, all right, in thirty years we might actually have a character. But like, there are definitely like, like I like men. Even on like even like onward, I think was better, right? Like onward's treatment of like the lesbian cop, right? Who like didn't she say she had a wife? Like it was like I hate to say that that's worse that that's better, but it actually yeah. Is. <laughs> like. Uh. <laughs> 
Like, that's true. That's true. Like, at least Pixar. then it's like you actually say my wife and you're a woman. Like that matters. Like that's clear. It's literally expressing a gay that's explicit, not this like hedging. hedging yeah. yeah, and it was not. It's like a nice moment that The Rock is like fine with it. Like that's cool. Like, but like yeah. it would have been way cooler if it had been clear what he was cool with. Like. That would have been way better. Right. And also, maybe if the token gay character wasn't like super into like lugging all his clothes around and like blah blah blah, like they hmm. they did make him very stereotypical. There were, but um, there were some moments that like, oh my god, I saw this movie way too long ago. <laughs> but there were like, oh my god, when he's like, when the Rock is like trying to get the knife out of him, and he's like, would you like me to come around from behind and reach around? And I was like, oh my god, oh my god. Like, <laughs> that that scene was was genuinely troubling. Yeah. I was like, "What are we doing?" I, and here? it would have been <laughs> that, that scene would have been really funny if they hadn't hedged the coming out scene. Like that was what made it so weird. It's like, okay, so you're gonna like be like shifty about him being gay, but then you're gonna make like obviously like gay, gay sex jokes, jokes like, during the Disney movie. Yeah. It's like what? Also, when he like drank piss and was like, "Oh well," and I was like, "Okay, like." Gay experience, get it? But it like, wasn't piss; it was spit. It oh, was spit, spit, right? But yeah, it was a, yes. <laughs> well, either one would have been a gay experience. But like, um, <laughs> like, it, like it was like, oh yeah, like th- this would have all been like very fun and like whatever if the character had been allowed to actually be explicitly gay. Like, right. like I did think he was a fun character though. He was, and that, he was like, fun. He was very fun. I was I was prepared to find the whole character in the performance grading. But I, you know, I thought Jack Whitehall was pretty good. Um, I thought he was a fun and relatable character where he's like, you know, like <laughs> insisting on being dressed in like proper clothes, even the, as they're like steaming down the river yeah. in like 120 degree heat or whatever. He's like sweating his ass off and like, but like drinking proper cocktails and stuff. It's like, okay, like I, I relate. I mean, yeah, I would have behaved very similarly. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, I'm not saying that there's anything like, it, it's annoying that, like, the one gay character had to be the character who's, like, really into, like, clothes and, like, it's like, oh, I don't want to be, like, in the jungle or whatever. Like, that's, like, kind of annoying because it's, like, such a stereotype. At the same time, like, I totally agree that I probably would have been sim- in a similar, you know, I would behave similarly. Although, actually, I don't mind, like, sweat or, like, the dirt or, like, the jungle at all. However, I would right. have been mixing formal cocktails on this boat yes exactly (laughs) i like the part i like the part where like the rock was throwing all of his excessive baggage overboard he's like what's in here i was like that's the liquor it's like okay we're keeping this like all right this is my kind of expedition yes Yes. um yeah well i I mean and also i like that the character like even though like he was a little out of place he like the rock was like like what are you doing here like why'd you come on this he's like cool because like i I have to stick with my sister is like, yeah. she's the only one who supports me and whatever. And like that, like that felt very real. That felt like a very personal moment. Well, that's a so very like, real and sweet reason for him to be there. And it feels very real and personal and great. It would have been nice to know what she was sticking by him through. It would have been, it, <laughs> Again. you know, we know because we can extrapolate that it was because he came out and everybody hated it. But like, it would have been nice if he had just said, I'm gay. I mean, I don't even need to hear those words because this was, you know, whenever it was. And were they saying that word at that time? I don't know. But, like, he could have said anything to the effect of my – something to make it explicit that he likes men. Like, the dude likes men. He could have hinted at a relationship that, like, was not favorable to his family. Yeah. Yeah, But they just didn't didn't do it. Um, Disney, once again – 
they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. It's a very weird. They just thing. pulled. They pulled the punches. Yeah. You know, like this. This was a great. This could have been a great character. He had all like some great elements of the storyline, but just left a little bit short. Yeah. Just annoying. But you know, it, it could have been more disappointing, given what I'd heard that it was just yet another of Disney's first gay characters. Yeah, it could have been worse. I mean. We could have gone back to the Beauty and the Beast thing, like where like there was no, yeah. where it was like nothing. That was truly, yeah. truly, that was really like, bad. Just uh, like half a second of yeah. a glance across. And then the in that one, you had like half the cast like touting it. You had like Emma Watson being like, "Oh yeah, big gay moment," and it's like, okay. I feel like they know better than to do that now. Yeah. They're like, "Yes, yeah, so we admit that that this is, this is just half-assing." Yeah. But um. I, I did like his role as like the sort of spokesman for his sister since she was not allowed to speak at the yes. Society of Explorers and Adventurers, which is what it is, by the way. Um, <laughs> the, they only let men speak there. That was like a big, big part of it. It was like they were seen as like sort of a stuffy, um, very archaic institution that she was like shaking up. And the only way that she could get her like speech in there was by having her brother read it. And he was just like, like going through these cards, like he didn't know anything, but he's just like reading them off, whatever. While she's like in the background, breaking into their secret archives to steal the artifact, yes. and I was like, that was really cool. Yes. Um, and I also like how they bookended it with the the return there at the end when they just like rejected them, yeah. like, no, we're gonna go off and do our own thing because yes. you guys suck. Yes, I did like that. I thought that was fun. Um. Fun times in like the the sort of port city they had there too. Paul there Giamatti. Like, it was Paul Giamatti <laughs> showed up in here playing a very Paul like character from Rock of Ages. Yeah, he was extremely Paul. I kept wanting. Okay, I was so mad he never said ciao. I like wanted him to get I'm like. He was like. He was like. If he had done that. See, he probably regrets having done that movie, yeah. but if he'd done that and, like, given a wink to the camera, I'd be like, you're speaking directly to me. Yeah, that would have been too... It probably would have been too much. I probably would have had to, like, walk out of the theater for a minute and, like, calm down. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know he was going to be in this movie. No, me either. I had no up, idea. I was just, like, losing my I mind. Know. It, and, and there's a fucking monkey in this movie. Yes, there is a wait, monkey. Wait, no, no, no. No, wait. There was, yeah, there was supposed to be a monkey in this movie. There's no... That's what it is. Okay. There's a parrot in this oh, movie. Yes, he has a like a parrot, parrot that parrot. talks to him. But, but, so one of the things that Paul Giamatti apparently said in an interview is that he originally <laughs> wanted to have a monkey in the scenes with him lighting cigars for him. <laughs> and the reason they didn't do it is because Disney won't let you smoke on screen. <laughs> oh my God. But Disney the is very so uncool. But, yeah, so first of all, that's very lame. But he wanted to have a monkey lighting cigars for him. God, that would very be similar to Heyman being Hayman. the bartender in Rock of Paul Ages. is out here trying to give us the the Rock of Ages experience. Um, <laughs> look, he like this. This was like it was just so like the whole time he's like he will he'd be like arrivederci and i'd be like oh my god please just say ciao please just fucking say ciao just once i just need it one time like oh it was making me insane i was so mad because it was it was like on like 
he was so close. Like he could have just done that one uh, call out, and it the, he, it would have been not distracting to anybody who isn't who hasn't watched that movie seventy five times. You know, like <laughs> it would make sense. You yeah, know, he's the kind of guy who would again just say ciao, even if he's well, not his character Italian. regularly used Italian words. Like yeah, it was like a common thing. So. He's like he's the guy who's like pretending to be cosmopolitan while he's in like this little like port city in the middle of the jungle. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> he is Italian. Like, I mean, he's not from Italy, but like his parents and grandparents are. Yeah, yeah. So he can play these characters well. He should have just said, "Jam, oh, God, he made me so mad." Oh God. <laughs> I mean, I loved seeing him in it, but I was like, it was like it, this was like edging. Like, every time he was on screen, it was like, oh, my fucking God, say it this time. Please just say it. And then he wouldn't say it. Man. Man. He was he was great, though. He had a good under, understated role as, like, a secondary villain. Uh, secondary villain. Oh, yeah. Here. He was definitely, like, a bad like, guy. It's, um, like, keeping, keeping the rock down, like, giving him exorbitant, like, bills. Yeah, he, he was literally, he was Paul. To, he was Paul Gill. He was, <laughs> yeah. He, he's the wheeler dealer just trying to cut everybody out. Um, no. So, very, very much a, a Paul moment. Yeah. <sighs> um, I found it funny, the, um, the scene where the rock is basically giving the jungle cruise tour. Oh yeah, that was good. From the ride, and like they actually like reuse several of the jokes from the ride yeah. in there. Uh, they use the backside of water. Uh, <laughs> they had him like he he like made his own like pseudo animatronics out of like wood and stuff yes. that would like pop out. And like I was just like, this is so stupid, but also like, okay, this is like fan service, right? Now. <laughs> They're just gonna give us this one scene. It's like it's like when in the Pirates of the Caribbean, where Johnny Depp is like, no matter what you do, the dog won't come closer. Yeah. It's like, yes, okay, <laughs> like these are things that happen on the ride. Fine, it was just like that whole scene. Like, it, I almost feel like the scene would have been better if they like just literally filmed it on the Jungle Cruise because, like. Obviously, the entire movie is like CGI from the scenery. Yep. But this that one scene felt especially CGI because they were just like going down this straight path the whole time. And it was just like everything on either side is fake. Right. And you can really tell because there's not like a lot of crazy shit happening to distract you. But I mean, it was it was kind of a fun, silly, jokey scene. Um Definitely a very inside baseball kind of scene for, <laughs> for us theme park fans. Um, but yeah, yeah, in, interesting choice to like literally make him into a Jungle Cruise skipper making his own like fake tour. I thought it was kind of fun. You know, that mm. that was what he did. I mean, it kind yeah. of doesn't make sense given who, what his character we actually find out they are. But like, um, that's the problem. That's the problem. Um, it's sort of like, well, okay. Um, like, <laughs> so here's here's my main complaint about the movie, and what took this from like a movie where I was like, oh, this is like a really fun adventure film, into being like, oh, they tried to do a little bit too much with this. Um, so like, most of the movie is just like. Uh, pretty straightforward like adventure movie again very similar to african queen uh emily blunt's character needs to go 
find this um, legendary spot in the forest where the um, the conquistadors were like turned into part of the tree or whatever. Right. Anyway, so like he's just the the no nonsense kind of skipper who's just basically kind of a huckster. Like everything he says is lies. But he's also like the the only guy who knows this part of the jungle, so he's the best man for the job. And like that dynamic worked so well for like eighty percent of the movie <laughs> until they decide to reveal that he's one of the conquistadors from the fifteen hundreds who's like immortal and has been trapped in this jungle ever since then yeah. as part of the curse. It uh like, it was a it was a choice and like I guess I sort of know why they did it, but like, I just feel like there had to be a better way to end this movie. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, like, like it, it didn't really make sense either. I feel like he's lived this whole time on the river. So the point is they have to stay by the river or else they get dragged back to the tree or whatever. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, first of all, the river's pretty big. So, what happens if they go really far away from the tree and step away from the river? Does the roots just, I mean, we know that that is what happens. They get dragged back somehow, but like, that doesn't really make sense. Um, and they're supposed to like, they're supposed to like get dragged back to the river, but the tree is like a special trap that the rock set for the rest yeah. of the conquistadors at some point. It's like, it gets, see, this is my problem. It gets like way too complicated in the last third of the movie. Yeah. And it's like, you already introduced, immortal conquistadors who were cursed and tied to the river. And like, that's enough. That's enough goofiness without like drawing in this extra layer where the rock is one of them. And like the tree part is like his own little trap that he played. And like, they try to introduce like the other guy's daughter who like briefly shows up and like barely figures into it. It's just oh, like, God. I forgot like you that. already yeah. had us. You already had me hooked. I was interested in this. It was a fun adventure movie. You didn't have to one up yourself here. Also for some reason, like the rock wasn't like the other immortal conquistadors. Like, I mean, I get why he wasn't. No. He like sort of like, I guess he like quote unquote betrayed them, but he didn't really betray them. It's that they were bad people and he betrayed them being bad. So really he did the right thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he helped like the people who actually like owned the magic of the forest or whatever. Yeah. So like, really it makes sense that he would not be cursed like they were. Yeah. But they weren't just like cursed. Like, I mean, cause he was, he also would get pulled into the tree. So yeah. he actually did have all of the curse, but he didn't have their weird supernatural powers to become these weird monsters that, he didn't, yeah, he didn't turn into, like, a swarm of bees or, like, a bunch of mud like the other guys did. Yeah, which, like, sucks, but, like, they also didn't always look to... Yeah, I, like, I don't know, like, that, that was also, like, powerful. They could fight with that. This guy, yeah. like, The Rock just got to be a normal human looking, but still couldn't wander far away from the river. It's like, I at least want powers. Can you give me powers? I, like, Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, something other than just... The I did the right thing here. Why am I the one not getting powers? I don't really understand. I just feel like they, they tried to take, like, too much from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies here. It's like, they, they were, like, really heavily drawing on, like, the Flying Dutchman stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, 
like they you know they're they're made up of the elements of the jungle just like the the members of the the crew of the flying dutchman were made up of the elements of the sea and they're cursed to be in this same area I like they literally just lifted this whole concept straight from that pirates of the caribbean movie right and but they, they just went so far into it it's like like you could have just gone with immortal conquistadors like that was an interesting enough idea to begin with and like even just them like hunting down this magical tree or whatever was a cool enough concept they just made it like so crazy especially in the last like bit of the movie that whole ending scene is just insane yeah there's so much happening it's just all crazy cgi and it's just like i don't even like there's too much happening i don't even care anymore yeah you know at a certain point when you're watching a movie like this, there's just so much stuff happening. It's like, I don't even know. I like, I can't even pay attention to this anymore. There's just like a bunch of people swirling around, like fighting and just like turning into different things. And it's just like, it's too much. I don't even, (laughs) I can't even follow. Yeah. It It was better when it was just a straightforward adventure movie, but with a slight supernatural edge, like I don't even object to just like the supernatural edge entirely. Cause like a little bit of that, is kind of fun. Like that's the whole reason they were going there to begin with. Cause like they thought that they had, they this, thought there was a tree that but, would cure all the, yeah. all the ills of the world. That's not normal. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that, that plus like immortal conquistadors is probably enough. Yeah. Like that you've got your enemy, you've got your magic thing to quest after. You don't need to throw in all the other crazy shit. Like the rock also being immortal, whatever. Yeah. But it's worth noting but, that we'd already had an enemy too. We like, it wasn't like we had Jesse Plemons who we haven't even touched on. Yeah, um, that's true. Who played yeah, a literal like, real character of the world. He played a real historical person, Prince Joaquin. Like, like <laughs> yeah. a real human. No, I, that's true. That's true. Yeah, like that was the other thing. It's like you didn't really need that many extra enemies when you already had like a solid enemy. Like he was tracking them down the whole time. He had like the full force of the German military behind him or whatever. He was in like a submarine that could apparently go through the river. Yeah. <laughs> like this submarine was <laughs> was way more capable than I would expect it. Well, you submarine know, sometimes you 19- sometimes you bring a U boat into the into the jungle river and you just you just do it. You track a little yeah. little steamboat in your U boat and uh, it's all fine. Whatever. Yeah. That yeah, but he he was a good enemy, and like he did a great job as a villain. I, he, I have nothing but good great. things. He's great. He's a lot of fun. They should have let Jesse Plumbus is always they fun. Should let him take, they should have let him take. They should have let him take the take the starring villain role instead of then throwing in these like crazy conquistadors. I mean, um, not that I mean the conquistadors weren't all bad. It was just like I don't know that we needed it. Like there had to be like it would have been enough for this to just be two groups of people racing after this one tree. Like that would have been enough for a movie. Yeah. Like, and, or like if you were going to incorporate them, I feel like it would have been more effective if they just like shown up at the last minute out of nowhere and totally changed the whole dynamic. And you'd be like, Oh shit. Like the legends are real or something. Right. Rather than having them be along for the ride for like half the movie and making the rock just part like, of it. Yeah, and it's like it's just it where like by the time you get to the end, it's like it's not even that impressive anymore. Right. You know? Yeah. It's more exciting when it just pops out of nowhere. You're like, oh shit, like undead conquistadors in the last ten minutes of this movie. Now that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was just, a, yeah, it definitely got a bit much. And it's it sort of like, in a way, it suffered from like typical Marvel movie syndrome. It just like sort of like got too big mm-hmm. at the last second. Like, like it's like that thing that Marvel always does where it's like great for two thirds of the runtime. And then it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they think they're building a climax, but it's just like they're just blowing. They really don't up. know how to do like Disney, Marvel, all of it. They don't know how to do climaxes very well anymore. It seems like they all rely on just like how big can we get? And it's like, that's not always the answer. Like, you know, and it didn't have to be the answer with Jungle Cruise. Like this was a, yeah. I mean, this was a pretty small time story. I mean, you didn't need to make it, but so big. Like, <laughs> Right. I mean, that like, that's what I find so crazy about it, is that it could have been as simple as a journey down the river to find this magical tree. Yeah. That in itself is more than enough. And for so much of and it, I was, you... I was enjoying just like the classic throwback adventure vibes. Like, yeah. we don't get adventure and movies really anymore. Um, sometimes with good reason, a lot of old adventure movies are pretty racist and like, there's a lot of, of questionable content in a lot of them. Yeah. But like, you know, it would be nice to get some more just, like, fun adventure-style movies. And in this case, that aren't racist, just to be clear. I do not want to go back to the old racist adventure yeah. movies. Um, but like, and you can do that without incorporating those. Obviously, and, yes. And, and I, I feel like they did a pretty good job, for the most part, of, like, incorporating many of the tropes of that Yeah, I was going to say, there's, like, a solid, like, five minutes where i thought things were going to get really sideways for a second i was like oh my god this is about to be they sort of subverted it and they uh, yeah they did that on purpose they made you think they were going to be really racist (laughs) um um, and that was it that was a pretty fun moment um but like um yeah you know it would be it would have been nice to just have like a classic like throwback style where they upended some of those tropes and like played with them and then just like had a normal movie and instead they were like, let's do that, but also what if we like did the Marvel thing? Like you just like didn't have to do all of it. Like you could have just like left it alone. Like just went overboard with the super. Especially like in the first movie. Like, could you not have just like had a normal first movie and like saved the stupid yeah. stuff for like the second sequel or whatever? Like I feel like I feel like the perfect comparison is like any of the Indiana Jones movies. You know, all those had supernatural stuff in them, but they used it very sparingly. And at moments that made it have like a big impact, we're like, "Oh shit, this is real." As opposed to like in this movie, where you see the supernatural so much that you're just like, "Oh yeah, of course that guy can turn into a bunch of bees, and then the bees can go fly around everywhere and send messages to people." Right. We don't even know why that was a thing. Like, I don't even know why he could do. Like, I mean, I know why he was like a part of the river and cursed, but I don't know why he could do that specifically. Like, I have no idea. And that you know, also. Like, the thing about Indiana Jones and, like, movies of that era are that they weren't, like, 90% CGI. So, like, it's just, like, yeah. not as distracting when they, like, do crazy shit because it, it looks different and, quite frankly, better. I mean, Disney has a lot of money, so its CGI usually looks pretty good, but it's still CGI. I mean, you can tell. I don't mistake this for reality. Like, right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know... It's just like an annoying, I just really wish, I don't know, Disney just, the live action Disney movies are getting weirder and weirder and not necessarily in a good way. Uh, Yeah. So that kind of sucks because, you know, I don't know. Disney is like, for all the gripes I have about Disney, which are too many to list, um, they have been a really like groundbreaking and pioneering studio in some regards in a lot of ways and like 
but their their yeah. live action stuff is just like not it. Like like I mean, it might be groundbreaking and that it's like so much CGI more than any movie has ever done before. <laughs> but like that's not the necessarily in a good way. Ever. I mean, I guess Avatar probably still has everything beat for most CGI ever. Like, that's true uh, but wait wait till disney starts releasing those sequels and then we'll then, see yeah exactly um but like well what fucking alita um <laughs> i like the Lita. no but that, that is, is like that's like 97 that was CGI. Uh, so like everything with yeah. cgi uh, um but robert rodriguez can can get away with totally it's a total as as can't he was again, a, as can james cameron who produced yeah that there's movie. absolutely yeah. like stylistic cgi and then like you know just like bad CGI, and then just like over reliance on cgi it's like when people talk about auto-tune like there's like share doing believe where it was like auto-tune and like changing music and really interesting and then there's like fucking every singer doing auto-tune because they can't actually sing those are two different things right. um like, yeah, it's it's technique versus like a crutch, right? You know, um, well, if you if you know what you're doing with it, you can do amazing. It just things. seems like if you're just being like, oh, we can just CGI. It just that. feels like often these yeah. big Disney movies do it because they don't they don't feel like they have other options. They feel like there's like nothing else they can do with an ending other than like throw yeah. a bunch of CGI at the screen and impress people. And the problem is that it is impressive, maybe to look at for like those few minutes that you're saying it on screen, but then you never think about it again, like, because it doesn't stick with you. And then you never really want to watch it again because it was like, yeah, it was impressive. But like, if I go to watch it again, it's not going to be impressive anymore because yeah. I've seen it. Like <laughs> I, I buy into the idea that like at a certain point when you see like enough CGI, your brain just like checks out. Cause it like does not believe what it's seeing. Yeah. And that happened several times in this movie towards the end, where it's just like I don't even I don't even know what's happening right now. There's so much shit flying around. There's so many things going on. It's happening. Also, so it was like dark and blurry and muddy yeah, for that whole dark, scene. It's blurry. Like, There's so much weird texture going on. Yeah. But I. I do have to say, overall, I enjoyed this yes, movie. It I was a fun, fun watch. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to come down too hard on it in the end because it was I'm more fun. Down hard on Disney as a whole. Like, yeah. this is like an example of a thing that they do way too much of. But this isn't like the Un- most egregious example because mostly it's different. unfortunately it's better than a lot of the stuff they do. Dude, exactly, I mean, at yeah. least it's at least it's. I mean, technically an original story and not just like remaking. The lion. King I was shot, uh, literally about to say, at least it's not the fucking lion. King. <laughs> yeah, um. but like uh, it was, it was fun. I had fun watching it. I got a little like confused at some points, but as as a whole, I was like, I was glad to see an adventure movie. You know, you don't get to see a lot of adventure movies these days, and even if this is not the best example of that genre it's fun to see it on the big screen yeah in the theater absolutely yeah you know, with a with an audience too and the audience was pretty good there too you know it was a good mix like a family film audience people were gasping and laughing at the right moments yeah it's pretty the fun. people i had in my auditorium were also seeming to have a good time so i think that is really... i was probably having a better time than a lot of them um i like <laughs> pre-gamed and then brought like a flask to dump into my like you know amc freestyle um oh so you did have a good time oh yeah i i had like oh my god the raspberry coke zero that's some good shit 
Ooh, yeah. God. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I, I miss, I miss the freestyle. I forgot machines. like I that they had a raspberry, and I was like there, and, and like the orange wasn't wasn't working at the one machine I was at, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I can just go to another machine. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's get the let's get the raspberry. Yeah. I had like I vanilla usually... vodka in my flask. I was like, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've already got the vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. I usually either do uh, cherry vanilla or raspberry yeah. um, with the with the Coke Zero. I, it's a good. Combo. I will admit that I was gasping and yelling, and like when like <laughs> when that scene happened where the gate where Jack Whitehall was like, "Oh, would you want me to come around from behind and reach around the front?" I literally go, "Oh, come on!" Like <laughs> <laughs> the guys like two oh, down yeah. for me, like looked at me, and I was like, "I come on, like come on, like are we not are we not noticing what this is?" I'm like, 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 like. I like. <laughs> I like when he was demonstrating how to like do a golf swing and then that paid off later. Yeah, I really like, wanted that that those have... two characters. I really wanted Jack Whitehall to have a romance with that one that one character though. Like I wanted Oh, that that would have been great. Uh, I was like this needed to happen, but it didn't. That's too edgy for Disney. You can't have that. Um but I did like how quickly he was trying to like assimilate to the natives. Yes. Like they just gave him like that permanent face ink and he was just like, all right, cool. Yeah. You know, whatever. He's pretty sure with it. Oh, this is permanent. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, again, not the greatest character, but kind of fun. He was fun. So, he, that, I thought he was fun. I thought it was my, really fun. It's like my overall feeling on the movie, you know, not, not perfect, but pretty fun. Worth a watch if that's what you're into. Is it, um, this is the sort of thing that I'm into. I just realized it. Is it Jack Whitehall, the one from that viral video where he's like really scared of Blobby on that um, fucking game show? Oh my god. He is it. He is on that that British game show. About you know Blobby, right? You know the the, the British character Blobby. Mr. No, Mr. Blobby. Oh my god! Just fucking Google Mr. Blobby. <laughs> um, and then I'll like have to send you a link to Jack. Yes, it is Jack. I just googled it. Um, Jack Whitehall had like is very afraid of Mr. Blobby. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I believe it. It's, I believe uh, it. He 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 has several notably funny moments. Quite frankly, if you look up Mr. Blobby, I think everybody should be alarmed by Mr. Blobby. And then if you hear Mr. Blobby talk, you should really be fucking like it's not normal, and it's not normal that this is a kid's character. It's like something's wrong with Mr. Blobby. Um, it does look troubling. <laughs> it's, it's very upsetting. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, um, we'll move on from that. But uh, I, I'm glad that I just yeah. realized that that's who that was, and that's what <laughs> that the reason he looked familiar to me was because of these Mr. Blobby. Because of Mr. Blobby, yeah, um, right. not just because of the other things that Jack Whitehall has done, which are numerous. He's you know <laughs> a successful actor, but um, and comedian. But yeah. Anyway, one more thing I should mention before we move on. Um, Jack Whitehall also is in a um, a TV series called Travels with My Father. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Which is it's like that. That was my first introduction to him, and it's exactly how it sounds. It's him and his dad like traveling around to different places. But it's kind of interesting related to this because his dad is like an uh, elderly, very upper crust kind of patrician British man. And apparently Jack Whitehall sort of based his performance in this movie on him. (laughs) (laughs) And you can, you can sort of see it in the show. Like it's the same, like no matter where they're traveling, like he's always dressed up in these suits and stuff. He's brought like all this absurd. You know what's really important to point out? Sorry. Jack Whitehall is going to be in Clifford, the big red dog. 
Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because I remember like yeah when when I was watching the trailers before Jungle Cruise, I saw him in the Clifford the Big yeah. Red Dog trailer, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. And then right afterwards, I saw the news that the movie was delayed. Yeah. It was just like, oh, what is happening? Yeah. Clever. I think um, that's very important. I mean, yeah. Jack Waddle, uh, yeah. But I, yes. Anyway, that's just very funny that we've talked about him and we've talked about Clifford and now now here we are. Um, yes. 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Yes, 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 yes. So. Let's talk. Let's talk about the suicide squad. It's really important that we point out the V. We've got to keep the V in there because um, otherwise, the people will think we're squad. talking about that other movie. You could think that we were talking about Suicide Squad 2016, but we are in fact talking about the Suicide Squad 2021. Did uh, Steve Mnuchin produce this one? <laughs> God, I hope not. I hope he's been from, run out of Hollywood on a rail from at this Steve point. Mnuchin. For this one, uh, <laughs> the main reason I want this to be better is that it was, or the, that I don't want him to be involved. Is that this one was better? That I can then cre- I can then credit this one's superiority to the lack of Steve Nugent if I need to. Yes, that that was it. It was the fact that they got rid of him. I mean, but I um, I he's not on the producers list on Wikipedia. So, but he wasn't on it for the first one either. Right. Yeah. You know, like that, that's not always an exhaustive list. So who knows? I don't know enough about this movie in particular to say whether he's on it anymore. I, I would bet that he's perhaps not as welcome in Hollywood as he once was, but you know, who knows? Anyway, I can say that this was definitely a better movie than the first one. Um, for so many reasons. Yeah. This was so much fun. It was just significantly um, better. Oh yeah, he hasn't produced anything since 2017. He's been busy. He's been busy. He like, was working in a pretty chaotic White House. Um, he's been helping average Americans, you know. Don't say that. Pay okay. six months of bills with twelve hundred dollars. Wow. Um, so so good to have leaders to look out for us. We love it. Anyway, yeah, this movie was a lot better just for a lot of reasons. I just I love the the tone overall better. I think was like the main thing for me. Yeah. Um, the the first Suicide Squad seemed like it was trying really hard to be like edgy and like oh look how dark and damaged yeah, these characters so are. Annoying. Like, uh, it was so and this <laughs> and this movie was just more like. These characters are zany and weird, and, you know, and they do well, like stupid these, and weird things. These characters things. are fucked up, but they're like funny fucked up. Like it's like we're gonna have a, fu- a good time with them. Yeah. We're not gonna be like, here's the Joker, and isn't he so crazy? He's just so yeah. crazy. We're not doing that shit anymore, and that's nice. Like, um, and this this movie also like knew how to make things that were like objectively like very dark and fucked up just seem kind of silly and stupid as like a punchline. Like when the suicide squad sneaks through the resistance fighters camp, thinking that they're like part of the people that they're fighting and like kills all of them in horribly brutal and graphic ways. And then arrives at the tent and finds out like, Oh yes. Uh, 
this is the leader of the resistance who's fighting against the the new regime. And it's like, where are all my men? And it's like, it's funny. It's also like, oh, shit. But it's like, it's funny. Yeah. Like, that's what this movie does well is like making fucked up horrible things still funny not just like ooh, we're trying to be edgy right it's just like right. oh it's silly um i like the overall reliance on like the old school exploitation film um kind of feel yeah they they did that very well with like the chapter titles oh yeah those are fun yeah Definitely a, a instantly recognizable element of this film is how like every little section of the film has a chapter title and they show up not just in like your typical text across the screen, but they try to like work it into the environment, which is an interesting way to do it. Right. Um, and just like the overall structure of the film is like you just drop a bunch of uh ne'er-do-wells in this environment and they have to go off and do this impossible mission right and they keep running into wacky people it feels like an old school exploitation movie yeah just like done way over the top way bigger effects and everything right um not not just people firing guns but um it's got that feel and the vibe and as always with the james gunn movies now the soundtrack heavily yeah yeah. contributes to this uh so many good songs in this was vibing to it the entire time definitely had to listen to some of the tracks afterwards to get the full effect right um seriously i still listen like there's entire bands that i've gotten into just because of guardians of the galaxy (laughs) Um, i think a lot of people can say that actually um (laughs) yeah yeah, I would agree. The music great. was great. The music was very... I mean, there's just, like, a lot of good elements of this movie. There's not a lot of bad elements. I mean, it wasn't like, you know... I don't know. Like, I'm not gonna say that it's, like, an Oscar winner. But, like... Yeah. But, like, there's just, like, not really anything bad that I have to say about this movie. Like, it was just, like, pure fun from, like, start to finish. Um, it knows what it has even, to be. Even when it, it went, it like, well. to the big superhero ending, it was so ridiculous that it was, <laughs> it was worth it. Like... I love that. Like, yeah, like we were just talking about this, like how movies nowadays feel the need to go super over top of the CGI. And yes, the end of this movie does have some pretty extreme CGI, but it's like it's constrained in ways that you can understand and that make sense. You know, there's one giant CGI starfish that they're fighting and you get to see them approach it from several different ways. But you always understand what's happening on the screen. No, there's never anything like flying around in a confusing manner. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, like, it was all... Yeah, I think that's a bit... That matters, right? Like, when the action is just, like, clear. Which is another thing that wasn't necessarily true in Suicide Squad 2016. Um, mm-hmm. uh, also, I just like how much of an improvement the villain was over fucking what's-her-name waving her arms like squiggly spaghetti movie. Um, what was it, Cara Delevingne? Oh, yeah. I get the. I, yes. yeah, I was gonna say I get the that there's like a group of like there's like a trio of actresses that I get mixed up, but I thought it was Cara. Um, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so like that was not it was Enchantress. That's what I know, but it was not a good villain. Like it was she was not interesting, and it's not like this villain was particularly quote unquote interesting. But they were funny and they were 
fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, because they weren't a thing. They were just like a fucking giant Pokemon. Um, but like, <laughs> and I think I thought that like the whole hive mind aspect was pretty interesting yeah. too. And like, uh, like overall the story of how the starfish got to be there and like the, the secret experiment and like the, the hidden thing that the u.s government was trying to cover up and everything yeah there's a low-key um interesting there's a low-key uh criticism of like the united states here which i was not really expecting going into this movie yeah Yeah. there's there's kind of a complicated anti-imperialist message here about like the sort of things that the government is willing to do to brush things under the the anti-imperialist message butts up pretty heavily against jungle cruise as a concept um (laughs) so we really paired some things together tonight (laughs) yeah um that's but um yeah i think that like yeah i do think that's really interesting i thought that it was interesting that this movie like while being like really funny and you know like funny throughout like it was even when it was serious it was funny um it it did have like some actually kind of like heady topics it was trying to take on um and I, I thought that was, you know, like, just the idea of, like, the hive mind, which represented, like, U.S. imperialism. Uh, that's, I mean, I mean, honestly, given the past two weeks in the U.S., that's extremely timely. Um, oh, God, like, yes. I mean, like, <laughs> literally watching this movie and coming out to, like, more news of what was happening in Afghanistan. Yeah. It's just like, oh, shit, Yeah. This is kind of like what happens. Yeah, it's just yeah, like the whole the whole movie is about like them sending in these troops or like this weird squad, whatever it is, after a coup happens that's like not favorable to their government. Right. Right. So yeah, I mean, like it's it's very much tied. Like it's more tied into the history of the U.S. intervening in South America. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Countries, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's absolutely relevant to like what's yeah. Going in on general, right it's now. obviously it's way more relevant. To, like the the story is obviously inspired by like U.S.'s interactions with South America. That's very obvious. I nobody would debate that. And I just meant that hive mind concept and like like this idea that like that hive mind represents the U.S.'s imperial, like, imp- like because that's just, like, I mean, look at any news media right now. Like, there is, like, a certain hive mind that's just, like, oh, blah, 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 we should just keep fighting. Like, like it's, like, extremely timely and relevant. Um, it's so weird <laughs> the way they activate. It's like, I, I, I watched that Joe Biden speech, and, like, after that, the MSNBC, they were like, yes, yeah, so that was a speech that that the, the mostly the people will agree with and the news media will disagree with. It's like, so like, how are you supposed to be representing us? If you're agreeing that all of us are going to disagree. Well, not to get, not to go too too far (laughs) off topic, but I do think it's very frustrating that 90% of the time, these people are like, Oh, we have to be the objective news media. But then when it comes to war, they're like, no, 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 no. We have to promote war. We have to keep saying we should fight. Like, it's like, so you can have opinions when it comes to war, but anything else, you can't have an opinion. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, They're just being objective. Yeah, anything else, they have to be objective. Right. <laughs> they have to interview a bazillion Trump voters in diners in Ohio. But, like, <laughs> when it comes to war, no, they're allowed to say, no, 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 we think we should stay there. Like, <laughs> fucking insane. Yes, um, yeah, we're, we're being the sensible um, one. Yeah, but, like, I, yeah, I did think that was funny. Yeah. But like it, it, it is, it's very much a movie that's relevant to any times, but especially right yeah. now. It just feels very, very. I mean, 
Yeah, it's relevant to many moments in American history, but it feels very timely right now. Like, um, so, and the movie obviously couldn't have predicted that it was going to come out right at this moment. Um, (laughs) But um, on the other hand, maybe they could. It's like, oh, they were like, I'm going to say they were like, well, chances are. Um, um, yeah. So, if it wasn't this, it would have probably been Cuba. Yeah, so, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, it is it is interesting. Um, and you know, and we've skipped over a lot of movie just by jumping straight to like the ending and sort of that element. But um, oh yeah, but that's okay. There but, are a lot of other good moments yeah. we can come back to. Um, I mean, even I like to keep it tying loose. back into that idea of. Um, American imperialism. We should just talk about John Cena's character, Peacemaker, which was a, a oh, really yeah. interesting character. Um, a lot of fun and very funny, but also extremely dark. Like, um, I, I, his character was fantastic, yeah. and honestly, I think like John Cena has has proven himself to be a very capable actor of the oh, yeah, years, both in yeah. comedy awesome. and yeah. series, which is which is awesome because yeah. you know I, I always feel this way about like the wrestlers it's like can they really act and most of the time the answer is yes like you, you don't get to be like the star of wrestling without knowing how to because act that's pretty what well. it is like it's, it's a big yeah. part of the yeah. job it's true um and and his character is just is so interesting. Uh, I, I saw it described in like his acting directions were were to be like a a more broy douchey Captain America, which is it. Yeah, it's obviously playing yeah. that idea. This yeah. is basically it. It's like he's he's very devoted to the idea of American freedom and democracy, whatever, to an insane extent, like that he's ready to spread it all over the world. And um, there's just, there's so many interesting moments with this character where it's clear that like he, he always thinks he's the good guy. He most of the time is aligned with the goals of everybody else on the team, but that there's certain moments where like he is just, he's way like country over good country over like what's right, whatever. And, um, it's it's very interesting to see those turns happen in the movie and John Cena like totally carries both that and like the really comedic moments which i mean that's hard to do yeah so yeah he can do both the drama and the and the comedy yeah, he, which he does it really fantastic. well i mean he does a great job here his character is just um i mean his character really helps hammer home the, the sort of criticism of us like ideals right like and his whole mm. thing is like, I will, I want peace at all costs. Like when he, he'll be like killing people and be like, nope, we've got, I'm doing this for peace. And it's like, mm. and like, I mean, that's, it's not subtle. So like, <laughs> it's not subtle what the movie is trying to say with that. And so it's just very interesting and um, it's dark, but it's, it's interesting how the movie makes it very, very funny when it's also extremely, uh, it's upsetting. <laughs> It's like, it was funny how it was funny how his character's like overall outlook was kind of introduced. Why they were like he was like if this whole beach was covered in dicks and you said that I had to suck every one of them for liberty, I would do it. Yes, <laughs> it was like that's like the stupidest way to express that, but also like it it puts out his mindset very clearly. It's like he's going to do literally whatever it I takes, mean, well, uh, I, including. I mean, I 
that's not a huge sacrifice for me. So, no. <laughs> so it's a silly example, yes. but the point is he would do anything. And later on, you see that that includes like brutally, like doing very brutal things and including killing people who would her on his team, uh, essentially be his on his own team yeah. um, for the sake of like some wider vision of liberty and America. Right. Right. It's, uh, it's an interesting yeah I don't know I it was just like it was very fun to have John Cena in this movie and I thought his character was really really interesting and was a good I mean obviously he's meant to be like a sort of foil to Idris Elba um, who is like the the sort of like bad guy but whose who's heart is in the right place so they're like sort of the exact yeah. opposite like John Cena's character is supposed to be like oh he's the good guy he like wants peace and like is for freedom and democracy um, but he's like got the worst methods. Whereas Idris Elba is like, you know, he tried to kill Superman. Um, <laughs> objectively, probably a bad guy thing to do. Um, but he's also like, you know, he's got certain, obviously he's got certain codes and his heart is in the right place and he believes in the right things uh, in a lot of ways at the same time. Um, so I thought they were an inter- they played off of one another really well. I mean, obviously they played off of one another well. The movie had a lot of fun with playing them up as like, two muscle dudes like running around. Yeah. Um, they had a very great rapport yeah. between the two. And of once them. you threw John, Joel Kinnaman in the mix um, as, as flag. Um, they were oh, sort of yeah. just like the three of them were just like running around. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and they were a lot of fun. Um, three different like muscle dudes. Um, and then you had a fourth muscle dude. Really? You had Sylvester Stallone's character. Um, <laughs> King shark. Um <laughs> Oh my god, I loved him. Yeah. He was so much fun. I I did not obviously did not know that was Sylvester Stallone until afterwards because he's just a big CGI Stark man, yeah. Shark man, Shark man. Um, but he was so funny. <laughs> he was such a great character. Um, in a history of great like James Gunn CGI characters. Somehow he's just able to pull this off better than anyone else. I don't know what it is. King Shark is a pretty um, good character in this. He's a pretty. It's pretty yeah. good. Um, there have been, obviously there have been other James Gunn CGI characters. I agree, but I don't know. This one was definitely my favorite. Um, it was yeah, just funny. Groot it was really funny. The, it was yeah. hilarious. Rocket and he like yeah ate like people. you. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like you expect him to just be like stupid and just trying to eat things all the time but he's got you know he's got other motives he does do like eat try to eat everything and like that's funny but he's got other he's got deeper levels as right well, right which i find interesting yeah. and like he's just he's always a fun character to put in any scene yes. I like when they're like, how are you going to go undercover? He's like, oh, fake mustache. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> not going to cut. <laughs> no. um, yeah. yeah. But he came in handy in the end. So, um, but yeah, no, yeah. He, he was, a, he was a very fun character throughout the movie. Um, definitely. Uh, I mean, most of the characters are memorable. That's what's great about this movie. Is it like almost all of the leads are pretty memorable. I do think there's yeah. one exception. I don't think they did enough with Ratcatcher 2. Um, she was sort of like, mm. she was she was cl- 
clearly supposed to be a sort of like soft heart of the movie. And it was sort of like, like yeah. that's kind of like, not only do I think it's always annoying that like in these types of movies, it's always like a younger woman who has to be like the soft heart of the movie. Like that's annoying. Right. Um, also, I don't know that this movie necessarily needed that at every turn. Um, well, uh, like she was supposed to be the one that won blood sport over to being like a more sensitive. Yes. I mean, I still liked her. And I thought I thought Daniela Melchior was very good. I thought she was great. Um, I just wish they'd done a little bit more with the character as a whole. Although all of the rats, they never let me down. So <laughs> the rats she did bring were the fun. rats. Um, I'm a little traumatized by like rodents as like a whole thing, but like um, not because of this movie, because of my, my own life and my existence. Um, I don't like rodents and I, you know, whatever. So I really felt Idris Elba in this and, and not liking those rodents. Um, but I did like her rodents and I did like her little guy who waved. He was very sweet. Yeah. He was a very sweet little rodent. Her, her dad was played by Oh my Taika god, that was Washington so good. Yeah, that was great. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, is that really him? And I yeah. looked at it and I was like, yes! Yeah, that was really good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I thought that, like, I guess I thought that the rest of the characters were a little more, like, outlandish, and she was a little more, like, she was, like, the normie character. She was, like, the, you know, like, the Jim or, like, the Pam, you know, like, <laughs> you know, one of those characters who's supposed to be sort of, like, your in. Um, in yeah. a lot of ways, I guess, Idris Elba's character could be described that way, too, but, like, he wasn't really. He was a ridiculous character, and his costume had a scary mouth on it. So he was not a normie character. Um, so, but, um, you know, she, she sort of was. And whether or not, I don't know. Those characters are always sort of interesting to me because sometimes they just, uh, they're kind of boring. Um, and I could have wished for a little bit more from her. But uh, she was still fun. And, you know, I was glad she was there because we got to see all those rats who really saved the day. The rats were very yeah. important. Um, the rats did everything. Uh, <laughs> that That scene where... You know, Harley Quinn first jumps through the eye, oh my God, that was and then so they're all, they're all coming in, just like ch- the rats are chewing on everything. It's just like it's, it's this great contrast between being like beautiful and like slow motion and stuff, and like being like the most disgusting thing you've yeah, ever seen. Rats chewing on the inside of a starfish eyeball. Um, yeah. Because it's not technically a starfish, but it basically it's an alien that's gigantic and looks like a starfish. So it's a starfish. Gigantic alien starfish. Ooh, Star of the Conqueror. Um, Star of the Conqueror has a rich history in DC Comics, and it was like the first Justice League of America villain. Literally. Literally the first. <laughs> so like this is like a very interesting villain that they brought into this into this comic or into this movie. And I love that. I think that's I think I think it's great that they brought like a Silver Age comic character. Because the Silver Age is like known for having these ridiculous alien monstrosities. Like, like things that just, like, don't work in, like, movies anymore, right? I feel like James Gunn loves doing yeah. that. Just, like, taking the most absurd comics characters and being like, yes, this is something we're going to take seriously now. Like, that's like like having Polka Dot Man being a major look, look, character. Wait, I've been saving trying to gush about Polka Dot Man. Holy fuck. Love that. Oh, let's talk David about David Desmalchian was the fucking standout of this movie. Like, it was just like, okay. at every turn, I was like, you are the fucking star. You are like... Yeah, so first of all, yes, he was so good. I think, like, this... First of all, this is the bridge between the modern superhero movie and, like, the Dark Knight era of superhero yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. Because he was in that film yes. as well. Um, 
but also yeah like holy shit he was so great i love how like they delved into his psychology where it's like he had to imagine everyone he was trying to kill was his mother and then you got to actually see that like everyone appeared to be his mother including the giant starfish like you got to see this like 50 foot tall version yes. of his mother like smashing buildings and so good it was so <laughs> fucking good like oh my god <laughs> like it was just so funny and it was so funny that the movie was like we need to put polka dot man in this movie which is already an inspired choice like polka dot man is not for obvious reasons polka dot man is not a villain that is taken very seriously in comics anymore yeah. um as you can imagine i'll say comics are about as gritty as like you might expect from like current iterations of comic book movies, right? Like, especially in the, in the encounter between him and calendar man, calendar man was the one I'd heard of. (laughs) Calendar man actually. Okay. But calendar man has a really famous arc surrounding him. So I would expect that you had heard about calendar. Um, calendar man famously in long Halloween. Yes. The long Halloween calendar man very famously was the main villain of that. Um, and that's a big deal. Um, but Polka Dot Man does not quite have an arc that is quite as big of a deal <laughs> as Calendar Man. Um, <laughs> um, but Polka Dot Man is a very fun classic villain to bring in. And they really, I mean, I was shocked by how well they did it. It was a lot of fun. David Dalsmalchian was just like, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. I have no idea. But he was fucking awesome. He was hilarious and like empathetic, even though his character is obviously evil. He like just, he's like, oh yeah, yeah I've killed people like whatever uh, like, like it's like <laughs> like and he's like totally fine with it and like he's obviously like a bad dude but like he he makes it seem like well he has mom issues like i don't know what are you gonna do you have mom issues yeah <laughs> like <laughs> they were like they're just like very clear about that it's like yes like he's he's messed up and it's because of his mother that's it you know we, we've all been there um and also he has <laughs> He's like, I have these polka dots, and if I don't vomit them up twice a day, like, and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's just very funny, and he's very matter of fact about it. It's like it's just a rash, and I'm like, it's like not, um, but like it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> God, it's just so good, and and I think that like just about any other actor could not have pulled it off quite as well, um, but they really got like the perfect actor to play polka dot. He was great. He had such a great combination of being like a little creepy and off-putting, but also being like sensitive and like super cute. He's a very cute man. He's an adorable man. Like (laughs) and like that whole that whole scene where like he was the only one who bothered to learn Milton's name, like the the guy who was driving the bus for them, and like he was like, I really liked him. Like we got to know each other and stuff. Like that was really nice and like you really believed it that like this was like some guy that nobody else gave a shit about but like they like he felt like he had a special bond with him yes yeah it's just great and um i don't know if you keep up with david desmalchian outside of this i follow him on instagram he got a cat that he calls polka like the polka dot cat it, he got the cat while filming this movie. It was like a cat that, oh that, was, on, that was like wandering around the set while they were filming it. And he decided to take the cat because the cat wouldn't leave him alone. So he now got this oh. cat from filming this movie that is a polka dot cat. And there's all sorts of photos of the cat with like polka dots on. Like, man, just got to go check out his Instagram and his Instagram stories. Um, also, just watching his stories tells you that he clearly was the runaway star of this movie. 
there's like fan art galore uh, of this guy like as polka dot man oh like yeah uh, it seems like he had a lot of fun yeah, making yeah, this movie so, this is great yeah. um just like yeah great stuff and yeah big fan big fan of polka dot man the only other character we haven't talked about is harley quinn we haven't talked about her enough she's great too margot robbie is cool. oh yeah she's awesome we, we definitely have to mention her because she's like one of one of the few characters that crosses over from the first Suicide Squad movie to this one. Yeah, we do have to talk actually, about some of the other characters who technically do, but don't make it very far into this movie. Right? Maybe um, like Boomerang. Yeah, we have to. We, let's, we have to talk about the opening in a minute. Yeah, because that's very okay, fun. Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> so the opening, the opening involves uh, a bunch of people from the previous movie, but not like, only from storming. the previous movie. Because like Pete Davidson was yeah. not in the previous movie, right? I'm not no, no. Say. Some of them, some of them are new. Yeah. Some of them are new. You've got get the Pete Davidson character, and you've Michael got Michael Rooker, um, like yeah, Michael Rooker playing Savant. Yes. Um, I think just a bunch of people yeah. storming the beach, um, and just like they they start getting picked off so quickly, yeah. like they're all just getting killed. Including Nathan Fillion is in this <laughs> scene as well, which is I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan Billion. Um but yeah, like they all get like like so, almost everyone from this crew gets killed off and then you like find out that there's another crew coming onto the beach from another angle while this one is getting killed off. So basically this was like the the distraction. Yeah. Like you're just like, oh we'll just let everyone here get killed off while the real crew comes up on the other side of the beach. Right. Uh and then it's I, I love the fact that it's like the other crew just like walks on the beach so like, oh, oh there's nobody here. And then it's like the suicide squad. <laughs> it's like it's a big fucking deal. It's like all they did was just like walk on the beach and they're like, Oh, okay. I guess everybody's somewhere. Else. <laughs> oh God. It's so, it's great. just like so good. Like, yeah, you know, I, and I do think like the, the previews and stuff for the movie did sort of play up like some of these other actors being in this movie, like Pete Davidson and stuff. Like, yeah. And no, they made a big deal about the fact that Pete Davidson was in this yeah. and he has, like he has a couple lines while he's on the plane. He's funny. You know? He's his character is very well, funny in the few minutes funny. that he appears. Like <laughs> he is funny, but he dies so. And like quick. Michael Rooker, <laughs> Michael Rooker is in this movie for a very brief time, and they really even like watching the opening of the movie, they're building it up to think, oh, he's like our in character. Like he's like yeah. They start off the movie with him. They give him like several like really good close ups and stuff. They make you feel like he's going to be a main character and like someone to contend with. Yeah. And then, like, as soon as the fighting starts, he, like, he runs out in the ocean, starts trying to swim away. And they just, they, he's the only person that they actually trigger the brain explosive for. Yeah. Um, They're just like, oh, we're going to, we're going to blow you up if you don't turn back. And he refuses. So they just blow up. Brain explosives, even though I know they appeared in the first movie, too. I kept thinking about a Saw movie. The whole time they were like, oh, these explosives in your brain. If you step away, I was like, oh my fucking God, Jigsaw. We're now breathing in a toxic nerve agent. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's the only one who dies that way. But like pretty much everyone from that first squad gets killed except for Harley Quinn. Yeah. And she, she just kind of like, makes her way back because she 
she has such a great storyline. She does so much cool shit, <laughs> like killing killing the new president yes. of the. Uh, <laughs> I love that part where he's just like he's like talking about. It's like yes, I'll I'll just I'll have to kill anyone who opposes me, including the children and like anyone else. And like she just like shoots him. Is like I'm sorry. Like I just promised myself that if anyone I was dating started talking about killing children or whatever, that I'd have to. It's kill actually, them, it's know, actually, even, it's it's worth point. It's actually even better than that because she says, "If I I promised myself that if I was dating a guy and he showed any red flags, I would kill him." And killing children, <laughs> it's a pretty big red flag. Um, so yeah, it's it's not you just killing like, children. I'm sorry, it's any red I flag. I like you. <laughs> the way like she's like he's like bleeding out, like crawling across the ground. She's like, I I really liked you. I really wanted to like like you seem like such a great guy, but like you know like I just can't ignore the fact that you said that like you were gonna kill these children and like. <laughs> and he's just like gasping for breath and like dying. And this was after like a really like over the top romance sex montage. Like, yes. It's yes. like montage where they like clearly were fucking very well. And, and uh, like it was like sunset and there were flowers and like good food. It was like this whole thing. Um, yeah. So it's a very yeah. funny <laughs> moment. It's extremely good. Um, Every everything with Harley Quinn in this movie is fantastic. Yeah, Margot Robbie <laughs> is very good. She's great. She's she's, she's so good. What a great... she needs more movies, more Birds of Prey. Yeah, I, that was a great oh, film. Man, Birds of Prey was also very good. Yeah, um, it sucks that like the two Harley Quinn led movies came like at the worst times, like because um, Birds of Prey came right before the pandemic, so people were already not yeah. going to the movies as much because we all knew the pandemic was rapidly approaching right. um and now this one comes out still in the throes of the pandemic um i just hope dc doesn't take that to mean that you know harley quinn led movies are a problem because she's fucking great like these two movies have been no. two of the best from dc like <laughs> she she is so fucking great yeah. in this yeah. role it's amazing yeah uh <laughs> she kills it every yeah. time and she brings she brings so much energy to this yeah. role like the craziness, but also like just like that, like relatable, like caring, whatever. Yeah, yeah, she's great. I mean, and like I don't know if it really. I mean, the the Harley Quinn rehabilitation as a character started a little bit before like Margot Robbie got there. Like she was already sort of like a beloved. You know, people. You know, sometimes it happens with the villains. Sometimes they just like people start loving them, and it's not just yeah. like the fanboys like who like Joker. Uh, but Joker will never be presented as a good guy. That will never happen. But, like, it was, like, everybody's sort of like, well, Harley Quinn was, like, manipulated by this guy. Like, I don't know. Like, she seems okay. She seems fun. But, like, now she, like, yeah, like I, she has her own ongoing comic now where she's, like, a hero. Like, she's doing the good thing. Like, she's, like, you know, and she's grappling with, I used to be a bad guy. But, like, she's doing, like, the good stuff now. Like, she's, like, been fully, like, ro- like turned into a hero, like, even in comic universe. Like... <laughs> so i've always felt like she was an interesting character someone who just sort of got like brainwashed into being on the bad side and there's there's so many interesting directions you can go with that you know you can go like she decides to start doing good or like she decides like she's breaking away from the joker but she's still gonna do her own thing and there's so many different things you can do and like they've already shown with both birds of prey and 
this version of Suicide Squad, uh, there's a lot of different ways that they're willing to go with right. it. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with the next one. It will be. I, I'm excited. I don't yeah. know what the future really holds for this like franchise as a whole. Um, I really can't believe that this one... <laughs> They just called this the Suicide Squad. Um, I, think... <laughs> I still don't get that. Like that's so strange. I think it's kind of like, I think it's like a fuck you to the first one. Like <laughs> it does. It does feel. Like I think that. that's purely that's so the funny reason why. Like I really don't. They're like, this is the Suicide Squad, and that one was just Suicide Squad. So this is the real one. Yeah. Like... I I just think that's so interesting. Uh... <laughs> uh, I mean, I understand why they want to distance themselves from that because there's like there's really no goodwill to be had there. Right. There's not really anything you can build off of from that movie that people are going to be like, oh yeah, it's it's good that they're bringing that back. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. like, it just it seems like they're purposely being like, hey, we're rewriting everything. Just completely ignore that movie and we'll just we'll all pretend it never happened they're sort of i mean they're not ignoring that movie like this movie this movie even like the opening in a way can be read as a fuck you to the first movie um you know that's like and so um i think this movie is it does acknowledge the existence because like you know boomerang shows up and harley quinn is like oh hey good and, to and see like you waller again. you know it's still viola david and like it's still it's still a, you know yeah um she's there she's doing her i thing. do like that they made waller more obviously a villain like this time around yeah um the first time she she was yeah. and but she was it was it was sort of like i felt like the impression the first movie gave was she's using harsh tactics but with the right idea this movie, I felt like it was yeah. more like, no, she's bad. And I think that's more in keeping with Waller. Waller is not good. Um, right. The last movie was like, she's doing what it takes to get these bad people to do the right thing. Right. And this movie was like, she's a fanatic. Yeah. And she's going to bend this team to her will, regardless of whether it's the right thing to do. Right. Because because the whole the, the whole thing where she's like I don't care about the star of the conqueror destroying Corto Maltese like she's just gonna let this gigantic starfish walk around and kill all these people and like, yeah you know, and she was ready she was ready to execute the whole squad to stop them from preventing the destruction of this entire civilization and, and I don't think that original I don't think Amanda Waller in the first movie would have done that. Um, but I do think it's more in keeping with who Amanda Waller is as a character, just like in the history of the Amanda Waller character. And so I, I liked that they did that. Um, I thought that was a, a good choice. Uh, and I mean, Viola Davis obviously played it quite well. Because um, she always oh, yeah. does. Um, always a good choice. So, yeah. And all in all, I just really like this movie. I'm excited to see where the franchise keeps going. You know, there's going to be a Peacemaker series, I think. Uh, John Cena led. Yeah. Um, and they announced, I think, yeah. today a Black Canary movie, which isn't related to this movie technically, but it, you know, Birds of Prey, um, if it's going to star, star right. Journey Smollett again as Black Canary. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I'm sure Margot Robbie will actually appear in that too. So, um, mm-hmm. so you know, I like that. I think I DC is maybe finding its footing in the movies and TV universe finally after a lot of soul searching. Um, so, 
Because this is the tone the DC uh, movie should be taking. This ridiculous sort of out there tone. Um, it's yeah. I mean, like that's that's the perfect place to position themselves right when now. When it's not like the Marvel, when it's not purely the Marvel Batman. movie. Like if if you want to do a really gritty oh, yeah. Batman, that works. If you're doing Batman, that's Batman. Yeah. Although you can Stay also gritty. do a ridiculous Batman. You can still do that. But if you want to do can gritty, go back to Adam West Batman. Well, Batman want. has yeah, Batman has a long history of fighting with ridiculous villains. You can do all sorts of outlandish things with Batman. But if you're going to yeah. do anyone gritty, I mean, Bat Make in Batman. DC world, it should be Batman. In Marvel world, you have a few other characters too, like the Punisher, but like uh, or like Daredevil. But like in DC world, it's Batman. That's your gritty character. Everybody else, yeah. you know, you've got it's all ridiculous, and that's okay. That's a good thing. <laughs> Well, and I, I agree that that's like that's the best way to contrast themselves with Marvel because yeah. like Marvel, it's like everything is so serious right now. Yeah. If you if you make your studio the one that like makes sort of silly superhero movies or ones that don't take themselves super seriously and like heavy shit still happens, but you still get to laugh once in a while, then maybe that's the I way. I mean, to go. I feel like. This was a perfect, like, this was a really silly movie, but, like, it had a lot to say. I mean, it you know, it, yeah. it was, like, still talking about shit. And, like, that matter. I mean, most Marvel movies are not really talking about shit. I mean, I enjoy them, but they're, like, breezy, like, popcorn movies. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't come out of it thinking, oh, wow, that was about X, Y, Z. Like, very occasionally, maybe, but, like, most of the time, I just come out thinking, okay. And even yeah. then, it's rarely the movies. It's like the WandaVision series that like had stuff to say, sort of. And like, for all of its faults, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had stuff to say. Like, uh -uh. Um, but like the movies rarely have anything to say. This, the Suicide Squad had stuff to say, and that was like nice. And Birds of Prey yeah. had things to say, and that was like really welcome. And but it presented them in a fun, entertaining way. If DC can keep doing that, then they're on the right track. Yeah. They could they could find a way to subvert the Marvel formula that way. And not feel like that to have things to say, you have to be like oppressively overbearingly grim and like yeah. massive, like at all times. Like I don't need you can... Superman BVS Dawn of Justice, whatever it was. <laughs> um, you can be you can be funny and subversive. It's possible. Many people have done been, it. They've been finding their footing for a while. You know, like Aquaman was you really good. And Shazam was stop good. Stop taking yourself seriously for a small period of yeah. time. That's usually the most important element is not taking. You're yourself making seriously. movies about superheroes, and like DC has objectively the more absurd roster of heroes and villains. I mean. <laughs> Marvel has an absurd roster because they're all superheroes, but DC is like yeah, all like God. Like <laughs> they're absurd. So you gotta you gotta yeah. have some fun with it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Alright. Well, I feel like we've done both of these movies justice. Um did you say we did yeah, the Dawn I of think Justice. I think they're both they we did them both the Dawn of Justice. We did them both. Um, Son of Sun and Night of Night. Son of Sun and Night of Night. No. Yeah, oh. you know D DC is DC is so serious. Heady shit. Oh, God. Yeah. 
This is so funny. So, with that said, uh, anything else before we close out? Uh, I don't think so. Um, just, you know, everyone be safe. Yeah, be safe. Make your judgments. You know, it's a, it's tough times out there. Everybody has to decide their own personal risk factors before they go to the movies. But if you can go to the movies, if you want to go to the movies, check them out. The movies are still there, and we're hoping that it'll stay that way. Yeah. I uh, I really do hope. I love going to the movies. It's been so yeah. nice to go back after over a year. Yeah. I'm going to be saying that for like two years. It's going to be like two years <laughs> out from the first time back to the movies. I'm going to be like, wow, it's been so nice to go back to the movies again. <laughs> uh, we're just literally, like, it's just going to be like us trying to keep the movies alive for the next couple of years before everything becomes you know normal. What? If it ever becomes Mario normal. Mario Menudo should hire us to help her. We could, we yes. could bring in some crowd. I would love to hang out with Marie Menounos. Show up early. Nuvi, hit us the fuck up. Nuvi! Nuvi, sponsor us. Um, Until then, you can find us on all the major platforms. If you like what we're doing, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, You can also reach out to us. You can send us an email, buzzedonmovies at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter, at buzzedonmovies. And as always, we'll see you at the movies. We will. See you at the movies. The jellical fucks. <laughs>